Not all photo conferences are created equal. Today, I sit down with Chris Smith to discuss the photo conference that he founded, the Out of Chicago Photography Conference. While he's here, we're also going to discuss one of his images, one of my favorite images of Chris's, actually. It's called Above the L on this episode of Behind the Shot. Hi again, welcome to another episode of Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion and all the challenges that happen in between. We look at post-production and everything that we can basically think about. I try and ask the questions that I'm hoping you might have in your head as well. And today we've got somebody on kind of a special thing because there's a conference that happens in the Midwest. It's I'm going to get into details on the conference in a minute, but it's a conference I've kind of always in my head been fascinated about. They get some of the top instructors at this conference. I've got the founder and creator of Out of Chicago, Chris Smith, with me today. Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm great. How are you doing, Steve? Thanks so much for having me. I, uh, I'm doing really well, and thank you for coming on. You are in, you are, at, when we are recording this at least, you are in the cold of Chicago area, correct? Yes, I think the snow just melted, but yes, it's, I'm sure it's going to come back again. So there's a lot of things I want to get into with you. I want to get into the photograph that we're going to talk about because just picking this photo with you was fun to me. But I also want to get into your your conference and kind of who you are and what you do in photography. Photography. So first of all, let's kind of recap who you are. You're Chicago based, but in researching you to talk to you today, you're from Royal Oak, Michigan. That's true. That's that's for sure. Yep. Okay. I Uh-oh. spent three years working WCZY in Detroit. I know the area quite well. Actually. That's right. We talked about this. Yeah. Uh-huh. Love Michigan. Love the Detroit area. Yes. Uh, beautiful area to be. And as I mentioned in the intro, you are the founder and creator of Out of Chicago, which I kind of want to say in two different ways. And correct me if I'm wrong. There's Out of Chicago, period. And then there's the Out of Chicago Photography Conference. It's kind of two separate entities, right? Mm, I don't know what you mean. Well, because Out of Chicago also runs workshops around. You do Out of Moab, but that's all out of the Out of Chicago brand. That's true. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. And and it, yeah. Out of New York City, we did. Uh, out of Acadia. Um, yeah. So there's. A, I see what you're saying. So there's an out of Chicago conference, but we do all sorts of out of conferences all over. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the founding of this, as again, as I, I'm reading on you today, getting ready for this, you had a blog, a photography blog, where you kind of documented moving around Chicago and your experiences photographing Chicago. That kind of turned into the book, which we'll touch on in a minute that you that you wrote, which is now in the second edition, I think. That's right. And that kind of turned into Out of Chicago, the conference in Chicago. Tell me what Out of Chicago, the conference is. (laughs) So it started in that uh, I just said, we have so many friends on social media. We know them through all these different places. And I know so many great photographers in Chicago after running this blog. Why don't I have them come together and they'll all teach a class or two about their specialty, whether it's architecture or whatever it is. That was five years ago. And I think I had 12 photographers, all my friends for the most part. And uh, we, we, I found a place. Oh, I could go, I could go on and on, but I won't. But we found a place downtown. I think at the time I had to sell all of my camera gear to put the down payment down to actually 
hold the place downtown in Chicago because the point was we wanted to learn in the city but then be able to walk right outside the door and be shooting uh, downtown in the city and uh, tons of people signed up and then all these other camera companies were like we want to be a part of it and so they've got uh, we've got sponsors and they send their photographers to teach and um, like I said it's the fifth year coming up this year and uh, two years ago we had Rick Salmon as a keynote speaker last year was Art Wolf and this year it's Scott Kelby it's like just crazy the people that uh, that want to be a part of it well and that's just your keynote speakers oh yeah as I, mm-hmm. as I was assembling a blog post to go along with this episode which by the way will be at thisweekinphoto.com as I'm writing this blog post today and kind of thinking about what, what I'm going to say in the blog post and I'm, I'm looking at the outofchicago.com website and I'm looking at your past instructors, literally a who's who of photography. Art Wolf is in there, as you mentioned, but, but also uh, Scott, uh, uh, Scott Kelby and we've got uh, Valerie Jordan and, and just Valerie. this Rick Salmon, this who's mm-hmm. who of, of photography instruction, but your, your conference is unusual to me. Because most conferences really are just the conference room, right? It's just a lecture in the room and yours aren't. You specifically came up with this concept of let's all meet in these rooms and we'll learn. Okay, now let's all go outside and try what we just learned. I don't know of other conferences. Other conferences have, you know, walkabout type things. But not like this. Yeah, I mean, when you sign up uh, and and we release the full schedule to pick your classes, session one, you'll pick, do you want to be in this class or do you want to be in like this mini workshop or do you want to be going out in the street with this other photographer? There'll be a list of like 10, 12 different things and you'll pick one for each session. So you could choose to do photo walks the entire day and never sit in a classroom or you could choose to sit in a classroom and learn the whole time. Either and, way, and it let's be clear, what you like. those photo walks are part of your normal sign up. That's right. Uh Whereas every other conference I know of, the photo walks are usually extra. So I'm going to say that that's what you just said is true, but we actually changed it this year. In the past, uh, we did charge extra for the photo walks, um, but but that's such an important part to it. And then it got too confusing when people are signing up and they're like, oh, and okay, I'll do this one, but it's a little extra. And we just decided it's just one ticket and you get into everything you want. See, this is why this conference is so intriguing to me. I, I, I absolutely love this. So you've got a conference coming up this summer. You do them in the summer. Yep. And it's going to be the Out of Chicago Photography Conference for summer of 2018. Dates have not been announced at the time that we're recording this. No, the, the, but- date, the dates are out there. The dates, uh, the date of the conference itself is June 22nd through the 24th. Yeah. Oh, for sure. fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if people want to go find out about the conference, they can go to outofchicago.com. Yep. And you've created a discount code for viewers of Behind the Shot or, or This Week in Photo listeners. That's exactly right. We're saying BTS 100 for $100 off. The ticket price is $500. Like I said, that includes everything starting Friday night with the keynote with Scott Kelby and the photo walks after and photo walks and classes all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Um, So yeah, BTS 100 would get $100 off and you go to outofchicago.com. 20% discount. That's great. So BTS, just remember behind the shot, BTS 100, get you a hundred bucks off the conference. So let's, let's get back into you a little bit. I mentioned the book. As you're doing your blog, you came out with this book, The the Photographer's Guide to Chicago, which is interesting to me because it's even got the subtitle of 100 of the Best Places and How to Shoot Them. The book is still available on Amazon in my research in its first edition. That's right. 
Where's the second edition? <laughs> the second edition, you just go to outofchicago.com and you can download it for free. I'm, I, yeah, we just decided for the second version. Uh, part of it is that people wanted a PDF rather than a uh, like a Kindle version because they, for one, didn't think they could read it on their device. You could read it on anything. But the other thing is that uh, the Kindle version, like when you edit it for that, the, the photos don't look very good. And you can only, you know, it's a long story. But the second edition, we actually made free. The first edition on Amazon, and I think it's over a hundred five star reviews, and uh, was really popular, and and people are still buying it now. But uh, but the second edition you can get uh, just by subscribing to uh, you know out of Chicago on the site. I will say this: free. even if you just go download the second edition, go look up the first edition on Amazon and read the reviews, <laughs> because which I did today, and you've got quotes in there actually from Trey Ratcliffe and Rick Salmon and some of the best photographers out there love this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let let's move on kind of with the million things that you do. You are also a podcaster. There is an out of Chicago podcast. That's true. I'll, I'll say this. They say that for doing a podcast or a YouTube channel, the most important thing, and you know this, Steve, is to be consistent, right? To put out your podcast consistently. Well, what we do at Out of Chicago is we do conferences. So I promise you we'll never miss a conference. But the podcast and the YouTube channel, they're whenever I feel like it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Works good, though. Works good. And you're, you're on iTunes. People can find it there. Yeah. And you are also an educator yourself. And this is where we start getting into your photo. First of all, you're an educator. You have done stuff for digital photography school. Of course, you do stuff for out of Chicago yourself. It's your conference. So you educate there as well. But you are a physics teacher for 17 something years in high school physics. Yep. And am I right? You gave that up. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in my head right now going, no, couldn't be. You gave up being a high school teacher with the the safety net of that to pursue photography and yes. to run your own photo conference. It's all true. I, I I still have some safety nets. My wife is also a high school teacher, so uh, we have things like health insurance and that. Um, and so without that, it might be tricky. But uh, but yeah, that's, that's all true. I mean, I started the blog and we started running the conferences. Uh, well, the blog was in 2011. The first conference would have been like 2013 or 14. And... Um, so we were. I was doing this for a long time, just at night, staying up late at night, and then getting up and going to go teach. And at one point, we were making, you know, just about as much money from that as I was teaching. And and so I made the jump. I have one other friend who's done something similar. Matthias Hombauer. He's a concert photographer out of Austria, and same type of a thing. He had gotten his uh, doctorate in molecular biology he was going to be a researcher wow. but he loved photography and he gave it all up just to be a concert photographer that's awesome And now he's a tour photographer and and loves it so again photography just it's a calling more than anything so let's let's talk about your shot a little bit here before i bring it up you are a i think with this shot that we're going to discuss we're a cannon shooter are you still a cannon shooter uh, well, no, I, I kind of sell a lot of equipment and then buy new stuff quite a bit. So uh, I was a Canon shooter and then I was a Fuji shooter and I just recently got the Sony a7R 3 And so I got all Sony oh, stuff right now. Uh-huh. The yep. brand new one. Do you like it? I love it. Yeah. I haven't been out enough to shoot with it, but I do love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I hear people say about the Sony's, I've got a couple of friends who have the a7R 3 and, and the two, and they all say the same thing. It's a great camera. 
but the menu system is horrible. <laughs> uh, you know what people told me ahead of time, and I think I agree with them, is that there are so many customizations you can make and so many buttons that you can assign to whatever you want. Once you get it set up the way you like it, you don't have to go into the menus, which is nice because, yeah, they kind of that, That's a good point. But mm-hmm. but the other thing I just heard the other day, I am going to bring the shot up, I promise. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, I heard the other day is the A7R 3 you can't install all of these great apps on. Yeah, which is weird. I never had an older Sony, but I hear they had these apps. And I think the main thing people want to see fixed is that they used to have one so you could do time lapse in camera. And so there's no way yep. to do that right now. 256 shots or whatever it was, and it assembled them to make it look like, you know, a super slow motion type thing or a super long shutter. Yeah, or, yeah. or just anything you want. Or avoid an ND filter. Shots, a friend yeah. of mine uses it to avoid using an ND filter. It takes a whole bunch of quick shots and, and stitches them to make the water look like it's running. Yeah, I've seen um, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very nice. So let's let's talk about your image here. First of all, what's the name of this image? Uh, I think I called it Above the L, Above the Elevated Train, right? The L right. in Chicago. So we should say, you know, New York's got the subway. In Chicago, it's referred to as the L because most of the time it's it's elevated above ground. This was taken with a Canon. Do you know what body this was? Oh, it was probably the 6D. I did the Canon 6D for a really long time. I'm just guessing. Could have been the 5D Mark III. Like I said, I like to buy stuff and then sell it. And my friends are like, oh, that's great. You got the new Sony a7R III. Let me know when you're selling it. I'm like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, tomorrow. A new one came out. So in looking at the EXIF data on this... It shows the 24 to 105 f4 is lens, which is a one of my go to lenses when I'm when I'm walking around. The the range on that lens is absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what your exposure settings were on this? Oh, geez, I have no idea. I mean, I could look it up. You want me to look it up? I yeah, if you want to look here. it up, that would be that would be great. And that way, it'll here just I think yeah. help people understand. I got it right here. Although whenever I do this kind of thing, people are like, oh, that was a mistake. But uh, yeah, I shot it at F6.3 ISO 800 and it's an 80th of a second. So lots of those things are probably not perfect. So it's but. kind of right down the middle of the road. Also in the EXIF data, though, it said this was about 7 p.m. in May. So in Chicago, that's you've still got some light at that point in time exactly yeah i was looking at some shots i did after this when i was shooting at blue hour i'm like oh so this what this was pretty early yeah in the evening well it's early in the evening but the light actually based on where you're at is part of what makes this a a great shot and and b a wonderful black and white right it's 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 not high contrast, but yet it's kind of high contrast. But but here's where I want to go first with you. And the reason I emphasize that you were a physics instructor. Oh, boy. Every shot as I look through your website, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm scrolling down your web page. It's uh, csmithchicago.com. I'm scrolling down your web page, looking at all of these images. I think I said this to you when we were picking this image. Every single photograph, I see this amazing sense of geometry in the composition and i'm wondering if you realize that your physics background is is coming into play in your composition or or do you not even think about it i i would still argue if you don't think about it it, it is 
subconsciously. Yeah. I, I have no idea if it's my physics background, but I think ever since I was a little kid, like I've always like, even when it came to like doing drawings or whatever, which I'm terrible at, but if it's something with straight lines, like I love to draw that. And I loved, I remember like drafting class and everything straight lines. I'm like, this was awesome. But as soon as like you try and draw a person's face or something, I can't handle it all. So I love just uh, the straight lines. And I feel like that's the way that my mind thinks in, in straight linear. lines, angles, linear, uh, everything squared up. So to get where you are here, are you just walking around the town with a camera and go, oh, there's a neat vantage point? Or did you have this location and this image in your head before you went there? Yeah, so I definitely had the location in mind um, from seeing, you know, other people that had been there and, and or, or I went there with friends for the first time. I can't remember, but it's it's a specific intersection. It's at uh, Lake and Wells in Chicago. And you go up to the top of the parking garage and you look straight down. You go to any level of the parking garage. But I think this one was taken from the very top, like the 13th level, looking down on the train. So. Okay, so let's talk about the train since you just said the word train. <laughs> is it stopped? I don't think so, no. Because your shutter speed at an 80th of a second. That's true. Yeah, but it is like 24 millimeters. That was the one setting we didn't talk about. I, on the 24 to 105, I believe I was shooting it as wide as possible there. Okay. I guess right. I should go back to my Lightroom and because look at that it's, too. Yeah. That train is so crisp. You know, Normally, I think what a lot of photographers would have captured here is the the static frame with a blurred train passing through and it's been done and everybody's done it with car long exposures and it would have looked like this long exposure. What I love about this is the fact that the train isn't moving because I can see that detail in the train. Right. Which right. Maybe it did stop, but usually it does not stop in that location for sure. So is the train, what color is that train? I wanted to say silver, but it's a black and white. What? Yeah. Do you yeah, know? It's silver. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. there, there's so many compositional things in this. You knew you were going to go to the parking structure. Did you know you were going to aim down like this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. that's part of the plan. I mean, there's all sorts of different compositions, and I've got other shots from the same location of different things that you can do. And, and I've done all the things, like you said, of a blur and, and all that and, and tried different things. But this one, you know, I've been there probably 10, 15 times. And we, and, and we take our workshops here when we do them in Chicago. So, And when I looked Ooh. at my Lightroom catalog, this was the only picture I took in that location that day. So I think that it was probably a workshop we were doing, and I was just demonstrating how to get the shot by having to stick your arms out over the well, I got to tell you, point straight you down. nailed it. I don't know. I don't understand how you got this perspective. It almost looks as though someone's holding your ankles <laughs> as you're hanging out over this parking structure. You're so far over the tracks. Is it? Well, we talked about this too, right? That um, that I, I've I've corrected for the vertical perspective on this as well, and and I sent you the original, right? Where yeah, not which only I'll is... bring up the original right oh, now. In no, fact, I just don't so know that... if I've agreed to that. Oh, okay, we <laughs> I'm won't. just kidding. I'm just kidding. Bring no, up no, the no. original. I'm, jo I'm joking. No, yeah. and actually, seeing the original, I think in this is really fascinating and a great lesson. You, uh, can I tell the story of what happened when you sent me the original? Sure. Yeah. OK. So Chris sends me the original today and he goes, oh, my gosh, here's the original. You know, I don't think I'm good type thing. Yeah, and what's fascinating to me am, is yeah. this original is the exact opposite. This original is what you would get from a parking structure in the middle of Chicago with a train passing by. That's what anybody would be able to shoot. 
but you shot it so well. And here's why the tracks are still that linear look. You manage to keep and capture all the signage. The building is close enough to being true that it's fixable. And then you took that shot and you worked it into this amazing black and white. So let's go back to the black and white version because there's a couple things in this black and white I need to point out. First of all, I see so m- I actually tweeted today, you know, don't underestimate the power of a good crop. You managed to have the wherewithal when you crop this. So many people would have cut the text on that sign. That sign is completely readable in the bottom right. The building on the left that has the landing on it, when you squared it, when you corrected for lines, you you cut that in the perfect spot and you didn't cut those two light bulbs. The building in front of you, you cut through the blinds in such a way that you can still see blind in every window, right? Your your concept of of image composition, the way you cropped this is exactly okay. my opinion, at least exactly what should be done. So you go up to this roof and you'd been there before. Did you did you see the black and white in your head when you were there? Oh, that's a whole that's a big question. You know, the pre visualization. Yeah, I think I shot this four or five years ago, so I can't tell you for sure. But when I know that I'm shooting for black and white, I always put my camera in black and white mode every time. Um, Yeah, which people think is crazy. I saw the look on your face. Uh, (laughs) I, you know how you can do like on a Canon, you can do picture preview or whatever they call it, and you can do vivid, you can do all those, you can do monochrome. Well, I believe that if you're shooting for black and white then you should be previewing in black and white. Or, or in, in the case of uh, DSLR, your final image on the back is in black and white. But that image is always just a JPEG preview, right? right. If you're shooting in RAW, you're still capturing the full color data. And so is even better with the Fuji or the Sony, when you're looking through the eyepiece, you're seeing it, or in this case, I may have taken it with live view uh, on the Canon, you're seeing it in black and white and seeing what it looks like in black and white. So most of my black and white images, I shot with it with the in black and white mode. And, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and you do that to immerse your mind in, in the idea of black and white during in-camera composition well because again you could you can do it in post oh yeah absolutely yeah and and sure i've taken ones where i said okay this is going to be a color picture and then turned into black and white later but it's not just to get yourself in the mindset of it but in in a picture like this and and you you showed the original right yes (laughs) we showed the original (laughs) okay uh i mean you can see there's like crazy like blue and green colors and stuff in there but my final shot had nothing to do with blue or green or any of these other things it had to do with the lines and all that if you're taking a shot and uh, you're seeing those other colors uh they're just distracting from what the picture is really about um i'll i i can't tell the story very well but i remember uh hearing it from jay mazel you know the great new york Mm -hmm. street photographer legend and uh, he, when he first started shooting, all there was was black and white. And so he was shooting, well, maybe that's not true, but he did start shooting uh, black and white film. And he shot his, uh, in the beginning of his career in black and white. And he said that when color film 
came around and this is what he's known for now is is just great colors but he said when it came around he it took him like two years to figure out how to see in color because it's not just like oh it's a the exact same picture but it happens to be in color it's a totally different way of shooting if you're shooting for black and white than if you're shooting for color and that made me think i got to put my camera in black and white when i know i'm shooting for black and white so i'm not distracted by the color yeah immersing yourself in the fact that this is going to be a black and white image Let's see it now before I get it into post. And again, if you shoot raw, you can change it anyway. That's right. So let's talk post then. This obviously was not shot in black and white, or if it was, that's the original color version. Right. It's you. What software do you use in post? I use Lightroom and Photoshop. Okay. Mm hmm. In truing the lines on this, did you do you think you did that in Photoshop back then or what I, did that I always do that in Lightroom. In Lightroom, okay, yep. which has much better even you know tools for for squaring things up now. So you square this thing. What is your what is your post processing kind of workflow? So you you've brought it into Lightroom. Do you crop first and true first? Do you do the basics panel first? <laughs> Good question. Uh, well, well, first thing, especially with this original, you can see like where those blinds are in the windows. You can see that there's a huge like, uh, I don't know if distortion is the right word, but like that 24 to 105 lens at 24 millimeters has got a ton of curve to it. So the first right. thing is you got to make sure that either automatically uh, it's applying that lens correction or that you're doing it. You know, that would be the first thing I would do. And then, yeah, usually I would if I know that I'm going to straighten up vertical lines, that'll be one of the first things because that's going to determine where you're going to crop it because as soon as you start to take those you're going to lose some of the corners so so yeah that'll usually be the first first thing i'll do and then from there i do like to just kind of work my way down in lightroom from the basics panel down do you are uh, it doesn't look like there's a ton of clarity in here i'm guessing there's not a lot uh you know what i like to do is i like to i like to add that in photoshop Whenever I want to add something selectively, I almost always do that in Photoshop. So Where if you I'm have making layer capabilities. Right, exactly. And I'll use my, um, oh yeah, we were doing this the other day. Use my tablet and the pen right. and, you know, Wacom tablet and brush it into just those areas, which I know you can do in Lightroom, but it just doesn't feel, yeah. you know, you do it in Photoshop, you feel like you're just brushing right on it. So that's one of my favorite things is just to brush, whether it's dodging and burning or I'll, I'll do like a lot of tone curve adjustments in Photoshop, but it, in the... It essentially is doing kind of the same thing as clarity. It's like a a micro contrast for just that area. Right. So you convert this to black and white. How are you a guy who who has presets that you purchased? Oh. Do, do you convert to black and white? And then it's this one when you're in Lightroom, you hit the V key and it turns everything black and white. So you, uh, you suck all the saturation out, basically. Yes, except that. Well, see, I learned black and white. A lot of people are like, oh, I learned it in the darkroom. No, I learned it on Nick Silver Effects, right? Oh, I love Nick love Silver it, right? Effects. Love it. But basically everything that you can do in there, you can do it in Lightroom. You just need to know what sliders to move. Like you go to that, uh, I don't even know what you call it when it's black and white, but where you can see like hue, saturation, luminance. Yeah, that's what it is, go, the HSL tab, yeah. Yeah, but you do that after you've converted it to black and white, right? So you can say like anything that was yellow in the original image, make it brighter. Anything that was blue, make it darker. So those are the things that uh, Nick Silver Effects does, uh, but I just do them in Lightroom now. So so I don't, I, I, I would be sad if you said all I did was suck out the saturation because then I do go in and I'll adjust those as well. And and the nice thing about Lightroom doing that is you've got that targeted adjustment tool. So you don't have to know that it was originally yellow 
you can click the targeted adjustment tool, point at that that truck down there, which was blue, and drag it brighter or darker. But you don't just mess with color luminance. You dodge and burn this a oh, lot. Yeah. Am I correct? Oh, yeah, especially this image. Yeah, for sure. And and that's the type of thing that people see this and they're like, oh, that was so cool that he got that shot. It's like, no, there was so much more that went into it. Uh, and and so that's targeted, the, uh, the, um, the uh, dodging and burning. So I'll do that in Photoshop. And so I go into Photoshop and I'll do uh, curves adjustment layers and I'll just bring up the one layer, you know, or just, you know, kind of how you get your S curve in the tone curve. And I'll make one to make it brighter and I'll brush in where I want it brighter and make it darker where I want it darker. And essentially for an image like this, where it's mostly black and my subject is white, wherever I want the eye to go, I make that brighter. And wherever I want to just fade away, I make it darker. The, there, there's a texture in the top of these trains, these train cars mm-hmm. that just make the image to me again so many people would have shot this in the top of that train which is going to be hot in this in a photograph generally would be blown out or something but the detail that is available in this image is absolutely crazy it's so neat so somebody comes to out of chicago the conference the photography conference and they want to go out they've seen this shot right or seen your work and they want to go out into Chicago and go shooting first time in Chicago. Let's clarify that first, first time Chicago visitor. What's the one thing you tell them photography wise as a tip? Oh, geez. So one thing for a tip when you're in Chicago, well, this is bad, but the first thing I'd say is, and now everyone, no one's going to come to the conference. So I'd say you're in the middle of a big major city. Make sure you keep your eyes on your gear, your hands on your gear the entire time. That was not a photography tip, but that's the first thing we say at the opening keynote. Uh, you can't just have your camera and your, on your tripod and turn away from it for a while. So, so that's the first tip. Uh, you know, gosh, when you're shooting in the city like this, let me see. I had a whole list of tips. One of them's got to be the most important tip, right? Um, I, I think just take your time. That uh, it's, but that's going to be true with any type of photography. It's not just a matter of ooh, that looks cool, snap. Ooh, that looks cool, snap. Uh, you'll see our architecture photographers. One of my favorites is Angie McMonagall. She's been with us every single year, and. And this is the type of thing you don't get from reading her blog posts and seeing her Instagram posts. But when she goes out and shoots, she's got her camera and she takes so much time to get this lined up exactly right. The thing with shooting in the city, especially when you get down in the city streets, is just tipping your camera back by like one degree completely changes the composition. Just rotating it just the tiniest bit completely changes your composition. It's not like when you're standing a couple miles away from a mountain and and you're taking a landscape shot, you could move 40 feet to the left and you still got the exact same picture. But when you're right. in the city, down in that urban canyon, just moving it the tiniest bit completely changes it. So take your time to get it lined up and really be looking at what you're doing. Okay, so not first time visitor tip. General, that that actually even fits this too, but, but I'm going for one more. Uh, I've got you on here. I want to get as many as I can. <laughs> General urban landscape photography tip. Obviously, one of them is what you just said, and that is, and it fits every type of photography, and that is slow down, take your time. It's the old Rick Salmon adage, make your shot, don't just take your shot. What what else is a, a another good tip for somebody that is, you know, has taken pictures of their family or they they shoot their kid's soccer game and they, they want to try walking around downtown with skyscrapers and and take an urban landscape? What, what other... 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting because I, I love to shoot urban landscape, like you say, but at our conference, people will be teaching portraits and they'll be doing street photography and they'll be doing these street portraits where, you know, Levi Sim is like setting people up and he's like, oh my goodness, you look gorgeous. You know, could I make your portrait? It's like, there's all sorts of things. But if you're talking specifically urban landscape, I think it's kind of what we talked about before. My my photo is a terrible example of it because that's a situation where you can't use a tripod. You have to hang your arms out over the edge and you have to do your best looking at the back of the screen to line it up. But 99% of the time, I'm using a tripod and you can use a tripod in almost all areas in Chicago. And so I'd say uh, use a tripod, but then take your time to get those verticals lined up as much as you can, especially with a wide angle lens. If they're off by a little bit, they're really hard to square up. And this one, like I tried my best and most of it's square, but even as you and I had talked before, there's parts of it that are still wonky or whatever. So yeah. Is that your go-to lens for this type of photography? Uh, the 24 to 105, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So um, yes, kind of, except Fuji doesn't have anything like it. And it really frustrated me. And uh, I had like an 18 to 135, which is a great range, but it's just not like, it's not the top level type of lens. So it was part of that that Sony came out with the 24 to 105 when they announced the A7R 3 And I said, well, there it is. That's my camera then. So yeah, yes, and that's the Sony glass. It's great. Oh, my it's gosh. Great. And they just yeah. announced a new one, I think. Uh, uh, like, was it 14 to something or? Well, I, well, I got the what is it now? Now you're throwing me off. 12 to 24. Maybe that's the, it. 12 to 24. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah, it's a few months old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so I so it was between that one, which is which is actually not very big or heavy at all. And so it was that that lens and the uh, 24 to 105. And they just came out at the same time with the 100 to 400. I said, these are all my favorite lenses. I said, I think they're making it for me. And so that was what what finally made the switch for me. Um, so when I go out and shoot this type of stuff, yeah, like a 24 to 105 is perfect, but I always will have a wide angle, ultra wide angle as well. So like that 12 to 24 or uh, actually my other very favorite lens, except it's in my closet and broken right now because I dropped it. And that's really kind of sad is the uh, Canon's <laughs> is really sad. It's the Canon 17 millimeter tilt shift lens. Oh my goodness. And Grown men do it. cry. Yes. Yes, I did. You know, I held it together, but yeah, when I got home, I may have shed a tear. Yeah. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about Christmas, let's start with Out of Chicago, first of all. Uh, what's it's the website? It's all about Out of Chicago. Of Don't worry about me. That, that, oh. If you're saying where to go, just outofchicago.com. Everything is there. You want to, and if you want to find out more about me, you know, dig around in those pages and you'll find my site or whatever. But uh, yeah. And I'll have, I'll have links to everything in the blog post associated with this episode. But the Out of Chicago stuff, what's the website? It's outofchicago.com. That's it. Okay. Okay. And also, I want to encourage people, go to the resources section, because there's a blog that a bunch of the instructors have contributed to that's on outofchicago.com. Uh, also, the ebooks is where you can get, there's a couple of ebooks up there, including the second edition for free of his Photographing Chicago book. So you got to make sure you get that. There's information on the podcast I will have that he does on occasion. <laughs> In the blog post. Yep. And and I've done a few episodes on our uh, YouTube channel. So, yes, all the above. The YouTube channel, Facebook, it's out of Chicago. YouTube, it's out of Chicago. Uh, just go visit them. Check it out. Trust me. They have such good instructors. And the uh, conference that's coming up in June of this year, they'll have more details on that coming out as well being announced. So make sure that you just head to outofchicago.com 
and get all the information that you, you can have. And keep in mind the discount code. BTS100 will get you $100 off the 2018 Summer Out of Chicago Photography Conference. So, And thank you, by the way, for doing that. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Can I say one last thing just about all of our events that we do? Yeah, and you can that say is, anything you want. <laughs> you know, to me, I love photography and I love talking about the image like we did here because I love the final product and I think that's great. And I love teaching. I love all of those things. But beyond all of that, my favorite part about photography is the experience and hanging out with other great photographers. That's my very favorite thing. So being on your show, this is a blast. Like, I love doing this. And maybe we can only do it because we've got these images to talk about. But in the end, what I'm going to remember is not the pictures. I'm going to remember the people that I've met. And I'm going to remember the experiences that we had together. And that's what our events are all about, is to create that amazing experience where you might follow these people online on Facebook or whatever, but to actually hang out with them, have lunch with them, see them in the hallways and just chat for a little while. That's what that's what makes it special. And that's what people talk about afterward. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's really well worded. It's it's the reason that when people reach out to me on social media, I try and answer every one of them. Uh, I, I try because, yeah, the photograph is kind of documenting a moment in time of our lives. But the key part of that isn't documenting a moment. It's not photographing. It's our lives. That's right. right. We're mm-hmm. we're we're living our lives through photography the best part of that is interaction. Like I'm going to WPPI the week after we record this and I love going to WPPI and I sit through some of the workshops and and I do a lot of the media stuff where I go see new gear being released. But really what it is for me is meeting people and seeing people whose work I admire and being able to a look at them and say, you're a great photographer. I appreciate your work and B, Hey, do you want to grab a beer? (laughs) That's right. I've been to WPPI the last two years and I didn't go to any classes. So I just went to the expo, just hang out with people. I love it. You can spend an entire day in the expo there. Yeah. And they do classes in the expo. So they do yeah. classes in the expo. Mm-hmm. Last year, Renee Robin was, was it last year? Renee Robin was there. And, and uh, of course, Scott Bourne's there all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. All the, all those events are great. Um, but mostly just for hanging out with the people. That's what makes it so much fun. But I would argue that ours is even better <laughs> on a much smaller scale well, because you go out and you shoot with them. Yeah, see, and that's what we we just made full circle. Your your conference to me is uniquely different. I know Frederick has been there before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Photo Joseph has been there before. He's going to uh, be there this year. Actually, this will be his first year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Photo Joseph is going to be there. He's going to be there at this year's uh, Out of Chicago conference. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yep. Wonderful guy. Wonderful yeah. guy. And so one of these days, I need to make it to Chicago and check out your conference as well. Yes, I have or not we need been... to have you come teach. So we got to get that figured out for sure. Or it, we make I, our whole other... It would be my honor. Yeah. Or we're making our own conference, right? Right, Steve? Yeah. That's, that's it. right. Mm-hmm. That's it. So again, to Chris Smith from out of Chicago, the photography con- uh, uh, conference, they do out of Moab. They do out of New York. They have conferences and workshops across the country. So go to the website, out of Chicago. Look them up, see what they've got coming up workshop and conference wise and go to one of them because this is literally it just kind of popped in my head. This is literally a photography conference designed by photographers. 
Well, that's part of it. I talked about this with Scott Bourne. We, we could just keep talking all day, couldn't we? And and he's like, how did you decide to do that where you all went out and shoot, uh, shoot together? I said, well, I'd never, ever been to a photography conference ever before. And I said, well, this is probably how it should be. He said, well, that's the reason why you were able to figure it out because you'd never <laughs> been to one before. And that's why it's working. It's, it's the totally largest photography yeah. conference in the mid- Midwest, right? I don't know. No, probably not. There's probably other conferences for whatever. I have no idea. It's well, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. (laughs) It's about the quality. Well, again, Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Make sure you give him some love. Follow him on social media. All the links will be in the blog post at thisweekinphoto.com. As always, I'm your host, Steve Brazel. This is the Behind the Shot podcast. And I almost forgot to say. If you watch the podcast, make sure that you subscribe. All right. Subscribing gets it delivered to you. You don't have to go find each episode. Drop us a review in iTunes. You can follow me on social media. I'm Steve Brazel everywhere. It's like Brazil, but two L's. Uh, Steve Brazel Photography on Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter at Steve Brazel. I look forward to talking to you online. And again, thank you very much for joining us for each and every episode. Blog posts associated with this and every episode at thisweekinphoto.com. Until then, this is Behind the Shot, the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. We'll see you next time. Hey there, I'm Frederick Van Johnson. Thanks for checking out the TWIP Network on YouTube. If you'd like to keep up to date with the shows we're putting out, be sure to click subscribe. And while you're at it, give us a thumbs up. You can also subscribe on thisweekinphoto.com where you'll find lots of other great photography shows. Thanks for watching the TWIP Network on YouTube.